Hello and welcome to Red Shirts, a podcast about Star Trek. My name's Jake Donaldson, and I'm joined by my erstwhile colleagues, Maddie Klingon Warrior Churchhouse and Nathan <laughs> Clinging On at the Rear Thomas. <laughs> Without further ado, let's engage. Every week, I'm like, how is Jake going to try and wreck Nathan today? Every week, um, I am also like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and every week, you try. Um... <laughs> oh, hello, guys. Uh, it's, uh, hello. It's a, hello. How are, you, how are you? I never ask you how you are. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm particularly good after watching this episode, which I enjoyed immensely. <laughs> well, Nathan's face! <laughs> Nathan looks like he's going to... Commit. I have I have things to say. <laughs> oh, right. hold on, Nathan. Hold on. We need well, to do a Nathan um, introduction first, don't we? Because well, we were be- watching. Yeah. Yeah. Before Sorry, we get to that, we should point. We should. We should uh, let the listeners know what the episode is. Mm, I got distracted yeah. by uh, asking how you were, Maddie. Sorry. <laughs> um, that's what I get for being like, a good like person. Like the episode, you got distracted by the woman. So. Whoa! <laughs> that's true. I'm using my womanly wiles. Indeed, because we are looking at uh, the episode "Mud to Women" from series one of uh, the original whoop, whoop. series, uh, the first appearance of Harcourt Fenton Mud. Uh, who's one of my favourite characters? Mark Fenton Mad. Sorry. <laughs> so, <laughs> with, shall we? Shall we? Uh, shall we have a quick rundown of the plot uh, from yeah. our patented rundown of the plot segment? By I, I guarantee you, you will notice the section I become pissed off with the episode. <laughs> um, Go on then. So uh, we open with the Enterprise pursuing what is described as a small Class J cargo ship. Uh, and he's overloading his engines to do it. Um, Kirk decides to protect him with his deflector shields, uh, risking the Enterprise and causing various circuits to go left and right as the crew brings aboard, uh, beams aboard Leo Walsh uh, and the battery-operated transporters um, beam down a crew of three sexy ladies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the men perv on the women for a bit uh, while Kirk demands what uh, to know what is going on. Uh, the captain of the cargo ship is taken to see Kirk uh, while we learn that the Vulcans can ignore sexy times, but it appears the captain absolutely cannot. Um, apparently the women have some magnetic effect that Kirk can't explain, and he plans to convene a hearing for Oops. Mr. Walsh. Yeah, it's boobs, Kirk. It's just boobs. Um, The boys discuss the fact that their crystals are all broken. They head to Rigel 12. Uh, Meanwhile, Kirk convenes his hearing and Spork start... uh, And Spork? And Spock... (laughs) And Spock starts an 8-track tape. um, (laughs) uh, Tells off... um, uh, what we learn is actually Harcourt Fenton Mud, not Leo Walsh. And reads Surprise! off his list of charges. Mud then claims he is wiving 
um, settle us, which is creepy as all, all fuck. And we discover from the computer re- readout that all of the men are just horny. Like, there is no strange effect from the women. And once Kirk sentences uh, Harry Mudd, we discover that life support is on batteries and everyone leaves. <laughs> Harry Mudd continues to talk shit. Um, meanwhile, one of the women continues to seduce McCoy and notices the, and he notices the medical scanner going all weird, which somehow tells him stuff by playing some weird tinkly music. <laughs> um, Meanwhile, another woman breaks into Kirk's quarters and complains of sexual harassment. Uh, but it turns out she hates Harry Mudd. Or maybe she doesn't. Oh, uh, uh, whatever. And she can't go through with seducing Kirk. She'll be perfectly fine to seduce someone later, but never mind. Uh, meanwhile, the Bond music plays as the girls <laughs> reunite with Harry Mudd. And uh, they then have a weird argument where the word noticing the captain is used too much. <laughs> Um, before some strange, badly acted, pained motions happen. Um, on the bridge, Kirk is getting pissed at his men for being unprofessional as fuck. He even advocates for McCoy violating medical ethics at one point, and they have a creepy-ass conversation about women pound for pound that sounds like they're in a fucking butcher's shop. Uh, Harry Mudd hails Rigel 12 and begins to speak to the miners and the Enterprise is too incompetent to notice. It turns out that uh, the uh, women are becoming less beautiful in a way that barely holds up at all. Um, Harry Mudd seems to be looking for something. He finds a drug, convinces Eve to take it, and she struggles melodramatically for a bit. Uh, Spock and Kirk discuss the beauty of the crystals and meets with the miners who decide they want Harry Mudd and his women. Harry Mudd breaks in because no one apparently stopped him despite the two guards at his fucking door. (laughs) And Kirk continues to refuse the deal. Kirk finally gives in on the planet and the miners creepily touch up the women for a bit. And um, one of the miners tells Eve that his planet is shit and that she can basically get really easily lost. Unsurprisingly, she runs away and... (laughs) Kirk has to go rescue her as she tra- transforms into her ugly form. And um, we see some people move around in vague shots that make uh, no locational sense. <laughs> the captain then goes aboard the Enterprise in a fit of sensibleness. Um, <laughs> however, <laughs> it proceeds to drain the batteries for seven hours and Kirk at no point seems to realise that he's totally fucked this up. Uh, On the planet's surface, sexism continues until Eve gets sick of the sexism and then the miner gets caught by Harry and James Kirk who explain the plot device. Uh, For some reason, everyone thinks an ugly woman is worthless and that if someone participates in a fraud, they are excused because silly women can't possibly manipulate the clever men. Eve calls everyone out on their bullshit and... She is the only part I'm liking at this point. Massive sexism continues to occur as both descriptions of what a woman could be to a man are sexist as fuck. And uh, Kirk manipulates people and says some crap about an idea of, about believing in yourself, which has absolutely nothing to do with the prior events of the episode, <laughs> because he switched the drug around. Spock then summarises my feelings about about this episode as the power trio prepare to leave the planet. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Nathan. I mean, I can tell that was probably one of the most sassiest Nathan Thomas summaries that we've had so far. <laughs> like, yeah, it was, as Spock said, a boring and an emotional episode. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it, Nathan. Uh, how could you not like this episode? It has everything that we want from TOS. It has Spock being sassy, Bones being horny, 
Jim being 100% done with everyone, a healthy dose of misogyny, and a complete lack of internal consistency. What more can you ask for for a yeah, classic episode? Yeah, like there weren't. I didn't. I didn't hate it. I don't. I don't have Jake level anger towards anything here. I don't think. <laughs> um, God, sorry. What? <laughs> Well, when you really don't like an episode, you, you really, really don't like it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah you is. really hate it. Oh, okay, yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I I'm don't. like, I'm like, if you're a ten, I'm like an eight or a nine. And let's face it, <laughs> like... I am a ten. Hey, you've got to believe in yourself, Jake. In that, <laughs> <way>. <laughs> yeah, I'm only a ten if I take uh, some magic Venus pills. Venus pills. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, th- yeah, okay, fair enough. I like this episode, but it, it is sort of rubbish but. it's stupid okay let's just let's just get that out of the way it is misogynistic and fucking stupid <laughs> ha- ha- however despite those things it's also a hell of a lot of fun there's there's all sorts yes. going on there's some great minor characters i mean obviously harry mudd is a classic because he's fucking hilarious <laughs> um you know yeah. Mudd's women are quite good as well like nathan said that evie was the one character he really enjoyed in this episode and i would agree she's kind of the only useful person um, she apart has from Jim. Some, she, she has a bit more consistent. I think the internal consistency is the thing I don't like about it because yeah. it feels like there's about Star six Trek, half Nathan. plots. <laughs> yeah, but like yes, no the whole could've... the whole plot of the episode, right? The entire plot is these women obviously have something dodgy going on that's making all of the men lost over them madly, even though they're just kind of you know. Uh, uh, pretty but like sort of normal women and there's also loads of other women on the Enterprise and the men don't have this reaction plus like one of them's making Bones a scanner go wibbly weep for mysterious reasons plus they have like some weird soft focus camera and spooky music every time they go on them they're constantly going what's going on like there must be some trick and then at the and then they introduce this device of the Venus pill right so apparently these women are taking these pills that make them more feminine and just give them more of whatever they've got which makes them apparently rounder um, <laughs> you, that, you know, aspiring to become a circle was the dream of every woman um, but then at the end they're like Curse, like, <laughs> lol, JK, there, ne- there never was a pill. And I'm like, so, yeah. sorry, what? Like, all those times yeah, that no, Bones like, of Scanner was going wibbly-weep, that was just, sorry, what? Like, what? Hang on, what? Was, he, was he implying that there never was a pill, or is he saying that there was, but he's just swapped it at the last moment to prove a point that the pill didn't do anything? Yeah, but it did do something, because... Every I, time I, they I... took the pill, they got more eyeshadow! <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, if I like... got more eyeshadow every time I took the pill, instead of, you know, hormonal wreckage, <laughs> I'd be really happy. To be fair, there are pills that you can take that will make shadows appear under your eyes. <laughs> the wrong yeah, they're called sertraline. Uh... <laughs> um... I, uh, I too, have partaken of drugs <laughs> that have ruined my brain. <laughs> Um, that's my red can- my red shirt's head cannon for this episode. By the way, is that um, the uh, the the sort of ephemeral music that you hear whenever Mud's women are on screen? Uh, that actually follows them around in, in the universe. <laughs> like everyone who sees them hears that sees music. Them, it's one of the effects them of the a, fos- a soft focus camera as well. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's one of the fa- one of the effects of oh, the uh, yeah. of the Venus pills. See, that's absolutely I think, amazing. I think it- my problem when I when I mean internal consistency, I mean focus. The episode, like, can't decide whether it's focusing around the drama of 
oh, the Enterprise has taken on this con man, so now it's going to have to, like, rush and mm. make a deal with these people, and maybe only the con man has the thing they want. Or whether it's focusing on, Harry Mudd is a fun character, or whether it's focusing on, huh, these women are interesting, or maybe it's focusing on, like, half a million other shitty things. <laughs> like, like the dilithium Like, the sexism, I, I think I notice the sexism because I, no I don't think it's doing or going anywhere mm -hmm. with it. Like, when in, a, in an episode of TOS that has, like, a sexist comment or a sexist plot line, I follow the plot line and I go, meh, 60s, you could be a bit less 60s, 60s yeah. about this. Whereas this time I'm just like constantly like, what the fuck is this shit? Like, <laughs> this doesn't even make sense with what you are saying. Like, yeah, there's not a lot of emotional payoff at the end of the episode where, yes. you know, my sort of fuzzy, hazy teenage memory of this episode was that um, obviously there was some kind of con going on. Um, but for some reason, I'd remembered the episode being that none of Mud's women actually wanted to be there. And that's kind of the natural way that you think the episode is going to start to go when you realise there's something dodgy going on. You think that, you know, the inevitable ending seems to be that somehow they're going to find a way to emancipate these women. Um, it's going to turn out that Mud's kind of got them in on some dodgy scheme. You know, they're going to maybe meet the miners on this planet that's drier and dustier than Ben Shapiro's wife's pussy and decide that actually... <laughs> like wiving settlers isn't all it's cracked up to be um but in reality no they just get to the end and they're like yeah we do want to go along with it yeah that that's it and you're like well what sorry what was the point of the episode like what yeah. and why changed? did they like be like you've got to get us away from harry mud like yeah. at one point and then and then they're just like yeah we're chill yeah exactly uh, when the, evie's the, like i hate harry i can't go through with it i'm like but then actually so you think that harry's told her to go and seduce jim as part of some evil scheme but there doesn't actually seem to be any point to her seducing Jim. It's just that she quite liked to snog Jim. And, like, fair dues, girl, why don't you just snog him? So would I. Yeah, also, like, also, like, hardcore Fenton Mudd. This is another thing about his actions in this episode. When he does his big, like, I'm going to take over the ship, and, and James Kirk, you'll be taking orders from hardcore Fenton Mudd. And it's a very cool monologue. Two problems with it. One, does nothing about it. Yes. Two, he's saying that, and there is, like... An arm's length away, two security officers yeah. are like, oh, maybe we should immediately report this to the captain. Right, this is a great opportunity to talk about how fucking shit those security officers are, right? Because they spend the entire episode overhearing, you know, at first they overhear all the girls being like, Harry, Harry, wh what happened to you? And he's like, Leo, my dears, I'm called Leo. Guards yeah. do. Fuck all. Again, like Nathan says, overhear him literally cackling demonically about how he's going to take over the ship. Again, do literally fuck all. Guards probably also watch all of the women go through the transformation of like, you know, oh no, they're ugly now because they're not wearing blue eyeshadow. <laughs> oh, they're so sexy. They have the blue eyeshadow. Um, and again, do absolutely nothing about it. So I think hopefully those two guards got fired. I mean, I don't think yeah. we've seen and then they also the like when, um. when, when the miners are like, we, we want Mud's women. He's still supposed to be confined to quarters at the point that he breaks into that meeting. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> like... yeah. Oh, those guards are awful. And yeah, but also, you're right, Nathan. He says he wants to take over the ship, but that's that's clearly not what he wants. So, like, what? Yeah. There's no consistent motivation from any of Mod's actions. It's not like he spends the episode determined to get rich. At first, you think he's determined to pull a con on the Enterprise. Then it's just, no, he's going to pull a con on the miners. Then it doesn't seem to matter anyway because they just go along with it for the hell of it. 
And then I'm just like, well, was there a fucking pillar? Was there not? And are you going to take over the Enterprise or are you not? Or are you just going to save that for Discovery? <laughs> I mean, going to wait. The, the character arcs for every single character in this episode are, as all women want to be, circles. <laughs> Nobody learns anything at any point. <laughs> I'd say that Spock has a lot of his prior assumptions deeply and tragically confirmed. It, also, I love the fact yeah. that there's a point where um, Harry Mudd uh, describes... Spock as being part Vulcanian. And <laughs> yes, and Spock makes no attempt to correct him whatsoever. Yeah. Them describing Spock as Vulcanian in some of the earlier episodes is just my favourite thing ever. Second only to that moment. I think it's like in the very first episode um, where then where they're talk- playing saying something about human emotions and Spock's making some disparaging comment and then he's like, oh yes, one of my ancestors was human. And I'm like, Spock, your mother. Your fucking mother. <laughs> pushed you out of her uterus. as a human. I'm going to start referring and, uh, to my dad like... as my ancestor now. <laughs> one of my, actually, one of my ancestors was disabled, so... Uh, um, um, I, 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 so I'm half disabled? <laughs> I have a point to make, right, um, Is which is that... Uh, Harry Mudd, he gives up his secret identity so easily. <laughs> like he, he he gets a little bit flustered when they're interviewing him, and th- they say, "Oh, your name's not really whatever he says it Leo is." Walsh. Leo Walsh. Uh, he's like, who sounds like a builder from Dagenham? Um, I was going to say Leo Walsh sounds like a rejected Man U manager. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He does as well. <laughs> Maybe that's another uh, headcanon, is that uh, one of uh, Harry Mudd's many Alter deceptions egos. and cons is... Uh, is yeah, he, he, create... he used to manage a minor football side in the Northwest somewhere. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, um... No, the, but, but he, he gives up his secret identity so quickly, like, without any... He doesn't even attempt to try and keep it up in all in any way. Like it, it, I don't know what like, the extent to which he tries to keep it up is that he puts on a really bad Irish accent when he first gets there, and then as soon as he gives his real name, he just turns off the accent for no reason. Like he did for a start. You don't need to change your accent in the first place because they have no idea where you're from. <laughs> like having a different accent makes no difference to, to who they think you are. And then when you change it to speak in this slightly weirder kind of um, plummy English accent, that's a bit sort of thespian. It sounds like he's putting on more of an accent than it did when he was yeah, just doing yeah. the Irish accent first place. Oh god, I didn't even notice. I just thought we had the <laughs> shitty Irish accent all the way through. Oh, you thought he just changed his voice? Yeah. <laughs> you thought he was just I another example of terrible English accents. Yeah, from... but I've got a, I've got another headcanon on that point. I thought you were my... going to say, I've got a terrible English accent. <laughs> I have got a terrible English accent, but my, my headcanon is that... Um, so when ha- like Harry's giving up all of his identity immediately because the computer says to him, incorrect, in that slightly <laughs> threatening robot woman voice, my headcanon, because Spock's operating the computer, my headcanon is that that computer actually has zero live li- <laughs> detector capabilities whatsoever. And every time it cuts to Spock and he presses a button, it's just him programming the commu- computer <laughs> to be like, you lie! Oh, <laughs> I really like that. Into telling the truth. I do, I do want to say that I love that scene. That is it's one of the things. Like the 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 the, like ship's hearing scene is so funny because like just like it it shows off mud so perfectly because it's like 
when the when the machine is revealing all of his lies, it's just like, uh, what does he call it? Damn tin pot machine! <laughs> <laughs> like, how are you going to trust this tin pot machine? Then, over the words of a bl- bl- flesh and blood man. And I'm like, you're flying yeah. through space in a in a spaceship, Harry. Like computers are good. <laughs> yeah, they're they're quite then, good at things. And then another thing that I love in that scene is like they they don't they don't like ask the women any questions, but Kirk does ask for, like, a bunch of readings and then a bunch of reading on the men. And the computer starts revealing, like, a load of embarrassing facts. Oh. And Kirk just goes, yeah, strike that from the record. That's yes. too... And I, and I literally... My head headcanon is that there is no, like, legal or military reason for that other than Kirk is like, oh, that'll go in a ship's log and I'll have to have a really embarrassing conversation <laughs> yeah. with yep. an admiral. Yep. Oh, I, d- yep. I do not want to be talking to Commodore Stone about this. I think Absolutely. So, so like, the camera of... pan, pans across. There's, like, Bones. For some reason, Scotty's there. And then there's also Farrell, some fucking useless pilot <laughs> that, that I swear to God I've never seen in any episode before yeah. since. Which is a good job because he he's has. even more shitty than Lieutenant Bailey, right? <laughs> so the the cam- the camera's slowly panning along them and they're all like wiping their face and faces and gurning as the as the computer reads out like raised heartbeat, increased perspiration, increased respiration. And then it just cuts over to Mr. Spock, who just spends the entire episode pulling the most marvellous expressions of like these horny humans are ridiculous. <laughs> like with his pink and purple eyeshadow. Like, oh, it's so funny. I have another, really, really I have another uh, headcanon suggestion, which is that... Go for it. ...that Kirk actually cuts off the computer and gets it. Because yeah, he, he says, like, that that's enough or something like that yeah. to the computer. I think he does oh, that. <laughs> I think he does it because he knows that it's going to continue. <laughs> and the next thing after, like, raised blood pressure and <laughs> increased perspiration is just... The computer's just going to go, massive hard on. <laughs> And it's just going to tell everyone about how erect they all are. And oh my god, that's so true. <laughs> and he's just like, Wait, no, Spock, we don't need to Spock, know about strike that. Strike it from the record. Strike it from the record, Spock. <laughs> oh yeah. my god. Yeah. Can we talk about the facial expressions in this episode of all of the men when when the women come to them? I mean, everyone's facial acting was so hilariously over the top. Like the moment the three women appear on the transporter pad and they're all pulling this like. <laughs> Charlie's angel style pose as well. Like they're all in like separate. Yeah, they're all in like. Oh, I am Venus de Milo. Oh, you caught me with my baby. Even funnier than that is that their ship was just like they got beamed out in the middle of an explosion, and they were still like, oh, "Best adopt the pose for when we arrive." Yeah, the hair and makeup were still man. perfect, even though they've yeah. just been all, in an explosion. They're giving the come hither eyes so intently throughout this episode that it's hard to tell whether they want to have sex with the men or just stab them. (laughs) (laughs) Those are the two things. That's the two things women want. The three three things that women want, sorry. Have sex, stab men, become circles. Uh, Yeah, correct. Jake has solved the feminism. That's it. (laughs) Anyway, so they appear on the transporter pad and then Bones' face, immediately Bones just pulls this ludicrous expression of just being massively fucking horny and losing absolutely every shred of professionalism that he's ever had in just half a second it's so funny and then that continues and then Farrell this useless navigation guy who sits next to Sulu where Chekhov will sit in the second series um, 
he actually at one point stumbles into a wall because he's so <laughs> overcome with arousal. His eyes are like bugging out from either side. <laughs> well, like and, Sulu's yeah. got to like bring him into the carry him. one point and like sort of guide him and sit him down and say it's going to be okay, Farrell. <laughs> Farrell, by the oh, way, yeah, who, then, lo- who looks you- like an actual skeleton. I know, Farrell looks like a skeleton, and Magda, one of Mud's women, looks like the biggest Karen I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. Yes, she does! <laughs> I've named her Karen in my notes. <laughs> yeah, I have as well. <laughs> so of the Mud's women, we've got Barbie, we've got six, 60s Elvis Presley's wife, and then we've got Karen. That's, <laughs> that's what they look like. I, I reckon there's a Karen in every episode of TOS, if you look hard enough. Mm. I reckon they'll be behind every great man in TOS is a great Karen. <laughs> Jim's just dying to release his inner Karen at all times. Ahura's not a Karen. No. Yeah, but she is but like, you know, the way you were saying that, behind every great man, Jim James Kirk is a great man and Ahura sits behind him. <laughs> like physically behind him. <laughs> um, Speaking of Ahura, why is she wearing a green dress? Like it looks great on her, but yeah, <laughs> why is that. she wearing it? Yeah. Early, why is she early, in the command early track? Weird nurse. They hadn't worked out the uniforms yet and put um, her in a command one, and then they discovered they put a black woman in a command costume. Fuck, fuck. Oh my god! <laughs> Wait, put her in the red. Um, uh, yeah. I would have loved to have seen Ahura's reaction to to the kind of heteronormative shenanigans going on because she would have done some serious eye rolling if she'd had any well, screen you know time to say anything. Done. She would have shot everyone. That's what she does in the. T- in the- animated series episode where this exact <laughs> plot happened. You're right. Uhura would have immediately shot Mud's women, like, confined them to quarters. Harry Mud would never have been seen of again, ever. Like, just yeah. for, that's it. He would never have come out of his quarters ever again. And then she would have beamed down to Rigel 12. She would have beaten the miners about the head with a frying pan. They would have immediately given her all of their lithium crystals and the episode would have been over in ten minutes. I, I was yeah. going to point out that of all of the the TOS uh, and TOS crew episodes that we've done, so TOS, the animated series, um, every single one we've looked at has revolved in some way around women making the men bad at their jobs <laughs> and then some other women having to do something to fix the problem, right? Like, uh, because, And also, I've just thought about this now, but in that episode, in um, Lorelei Signal of the, the animated series, when they go to the, the planet that's run by women and they're trying to suck the energy yeah. out of men through their dicks, as we decided was headcanon. Um, yeah. <laughs> that planet was called Rigel 10, and the planet that they go to on this is called Rigel 12, so I reckon that that and isn't Rigel isn't Rigel another one the one that they go to in that episode of Enterprise that we watched? Ooh yeah, where they meet the Soliman, the Saruman, <laughs> the Sorry, the Soliman. Um, I may have gotten the planet wrong from the animated series, but. Uh, no, you're dead right because Rigel Seven is where the fucking Simpsons, yes, uh, like where Kang and Kodos yes, come from. Yes, we did. We discussed so that. Didn't the we? Rigel system is is heavily populated, <laughs> and by some bizarre coincidence, on this yeah, show, it's... we're picking episodes that refer to Rigel Seven. It's mentioned in a shit ton of things. Yeah, I reckon. I reckon that. Uh, yeah, it is. It is the place from Enterprise. Um, it is. 
the place in this episode, obviously, we're certain about that, but I don't think it is the one from the uh, Well, series. I want to suggest that it is. Uh, that can be a headcanon as well. <laughs> I want to ignore that. <laughs> um, can, we all, can we talk about how good an episode this is in terms of uh, looking at how bad 60s TV writers thought that uh, technology would have come on in the however many 200, 300 years that they thought would this is set in the future mm. like the, the, for a start there's the the medical equipment that uh that's in the the med bay when karen walks past it and it goes all bleep 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 it's not, is that karen. not karen that no it's not karen who walks past it it's the hot one who walks past it. <laughs> okay, sorry um well when the hot one the one that looks like young morticia adams yeah, yeah she does that's a good point um but the when she walks past it and it goes all like essentially all that happens is that two two little red dots come up on the screen and start bleeping going <laughs> bleep, 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 bleep. um and you're like and that is supposed to be like the the pinnacle of medical scanning technology uh <laughs> when in reality all it seems like is that all of the medical equipment on the enterprise was built by the same bloke who built that robot butler from rocky 4 <laughs> and then, and there's a bit when Bones is discussing with. Um, it's in the creepy conversation that Nathan mentioned earlier when they're talking about women pound for pound like they're in a butcher's. Um, or in um, flipping what's that Shakespeare play? Was like a pound of flesh. Oh, Merchant of Venice. And then it's all very yeah. It's like the Merchant of Venice when they like hack that Jewish guy's yeah. arm off and then everyone just like bones <laughs> it for some reason. Well, the reason I brought up that conversation is because. Uh, Bones describes <laughs> Bones describes what happens. He says something along the lines of, uh, "What's special about these women that makes my medical equipment go bleep?" <laughs> and he just says the word bleep in like a really high pitched and fun voice. Like that's the like, that's a technical term. He's like, "Captain, they've made my device go bleep." <laughs> Head cannon. That's the noise of the med bay scanner getting an erection. <laughs> Yeah, I'm on board with that. <laughs> I'm oh, putting that into man. the headcanon that uh, <laughs> that the computer. Maybe, maybe the number of uh, entities that are able to manipulate men is why all the Starfleet computers uh, have a feminine. They voice. have a feminine voice yeah. until uh, the computer is being a dickhead, and then it's a man. Because there's an episode, there is an episode <laughs> where Scotty asks it something, and uh, and it co- and it comes back with a man's voice. Um, oh. But then there's that other episode where Captain Cook, there's for some reason, there's a completely irrelevant scene in the middle of the episode where where the computer keeps trying to seduce Kirk (laughs) and it keeps being like, he's like, computer, record, blah, 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 blah. And the computer goes, yes, dear. And he's like, computer, stop this at once. And the computer's like, of course, honey. (laughs) I like, uh, now I'm just calling to mind the bit from the film where you've got Scotty and he's like, it's like, use the computer, and he picks up a mouse and goes, Hello, computer. <laughs> um. You know, you were saying, Jake, that, like, of all... Um, you were saying that, that there are so many episodes in Star Trek, in the old Star Trek especially, that just revolve around, Women are sexy and make men do... Can't not be in control! <laughs> um, do you think we could say something intelligent about how that obviously, you know, reflects the massive social anxiety at the time of the largely male writers, probably about women entering the workforce 
and just you know female emancipation in general that these these slutty women were walking around in their miniskirts and their sequins and how can men be expected to like not rape them if they just exist nah it's sure about space isn't it <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen you shoot down <laughs> someone no, so I agree, hard. Com- I agree completely with you, Matty. That, that, I think that's exactly what it is. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was written, this episode was written, um, I can't remember the guy's name, but uh, it, it was written by, uh, I think his surname's Kendall or something like that, um, or Candell. Uh, <laughs> but it was written by him and Gene Roddenberry. Uh, and then... Gene kept rewriting it, which is why I think some of the plot holes and sort of weird lack of internal consistency, uh, I think that's come from the fact it keeps getting rewritten. Yeah, I I saw that like Gene wanted to focus on the women, and the other writer you mentioned uh, wanted to focus on yes, Harry exactly. Potter. Oh dear, which explains a lot. That's two out of three weird things that the episode can't decide whether it's focusing on. Um, but I think the fact it was written by two men and it was, and it's quite an early episode in the first series. I think is it episode six or something? Yeah. Um, Three or seven, depending on whether you're watching it on Netflix or like looking yeah. up online. I don't really understand. Um, but <clears throat> you know, it, it was written in the sixties, and that that was definitely part of the the conversation at that time was women entering the workforce and uh, you know we've discussed Ahura's place in the historical uh, canon of um, of uh, people of colour becoming uh, major characters independent of men on TV yeah. uh, and I think this episode is one of the examples because I think we've got, we've talked about this before about how there are great examples in Star Trek in the original series of things that are really progressive and are showing uh, the way that people and society and communities can move forward and be more accepting and be more uh, loving and caring to each other. And then there is also stuff in the, the original series of Star Trek that is beholden of the fact that it comes from the 60s and it was written by awful, awful people. Um <laughs> And I think this episode is one of those ones more than the... It, this is definitely more of the awful people situation. Oh, yeah. Jake, how could you say such a thing? <laughs> Look. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, not called, uh, it's not called Mods Femoids. It could be worse. It could be... Uh, the, the, all the times that the, the minor called Chiltress repeatedly has to say to any other man that enters the room, I never touched yeah. her. I didn't <laughs> touch her. true, yeah. You know, which, I'm sorry, if you have to complete, con- constantly tell everyone about you that you're not a rapist <laughs> or a wife beater, like, you are guaranteed a rapist or a wife beater. Um, what are you saying? This is a great, this is an episode that, yes, Bell Hooks would be proud of this episode. I, Jermaine Greer would be proud of this episode. Actually, maybe Jermaine Greer would. Sorry, okay. I'll <laughs> yeah, um, um, I would like to. I I did want to say though that like a, a big criticism I see leveled against the more progressive TOS episodes, which I I want to refute, uh, is uh, that it is it is not very subtle. And I was like, no shit, it's not. <laughs> like the the anti racism episode has someone with like they they have like half black, half white faces, but on different <laughs> sides, and that it like you know. What are yeah, they talking no, about? It... Subtlety and the original series operate in different realities. <laughs> there, is, there is no room for subtlety in a show in which Leonard Nimoy wears pink and purple eyeshadow. <laughs> what are you talking I, about? I, 
And and Harry Mudd in this, like he beams in and he's like, <laughs> and you're like, he's I, wearing an earring either... and a cowboy hat, and he has a curly whirly mustache. <laughs> yeah, he's either a villain or he's gonna sell you a big <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I was going to say when now that we're talking about the the minor and the the sort of slightly Childress, the rapist. Yeah, and and the weird bit where the episode stops being Star Trek and turns into Look Back in Anger by John Osborne. Um, I know it turns into like a nineteen fifties kitchen sink yeah, exactly. drama, and there's just no explanation and no rhyme or reason, and you're expected to presume that while this domestic argument is going on for however many hours. Like Jim and the ship are just going overhead, still scanning the ion storm and draining all of their power. Know, well, like, they don't bother to contact for the, the ship. Benefit if you've not watched it. There's there's a bit at one point after. Um, is he called Childress or Child- Children or something like that? Childress. After, after that prick uh, goes. Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> yeah, because it's after after something. Eve leaves in the storm and runs away, and then they go and try and find her, and then Childress finds her and brings her back to his little cabin thing. Um, and he says he's rich, but he sleeps on a wooden bench. <laughs> and I'd like to point out, despite the fact that they live in metal cabins, when you go inside the metal cabins, they're in yeah. a cave. <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> also, they keep complaining about how there's all this wind and storms and stuff outside, but their window is just a hole in the wall. <laughs> it's got no glass in it or anything. No, maybe it's got transparent is it? Oh, is this the same stuff that they use in the um, uh, in the brig in, on the Enterprise? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So tr- transparent aluminum is my favourite. You know, like how the transports were invented because shuttle rides yeah. were too expensive. Yeah. Transparent aluminum is an excuse to not use glass. Mm. It is an invisible, like, uh, it is as strong as normal That's aluminum. It's not very strong. It is, uh, it is... Aluminium, <laughs> yeah. you Yankee prick. <laughs> That's what they call it in Star Trek. Shut up. Um. Um, so they. They, um, uh, but it's, uh, but it's like totally transparent, more transparent than glass, so you can't perceive it. <laughs> I, uh, it's fantastic. I mean, that is... It is. It is the best. Uh, like we couldn't be asked to yeah. put that, that in the set thing. That is peak Star Trek. <laughs> That's like in the room when all of the decor in in Tommy Wiseau's house has just got pictures of spoons <laughs> in it because they never actually put any photos in the photos. <laughs> is that <rooms>. true? <laughs> Yes. If you go back and watch in the background, all of the photo frames have just got like grainy photographs of of teeth. Amazing. Um, I mean, this is not Star Trek. Or like uh, the Spock's brain episode. I love the whole operation at the end of that, where it's just a board comes down and he's like, "I am removing the brain. <laughs> <laughs> I have removed the brain. I have put it in you, brain." <laughs> I would like to talk at great length about how much I absolutely adore Spock and Jim in this episode. Like, can we talk about how fucking brilliant Leonard Nimoy is just consistently throughout this episode, despite having very, very few lines? Every time the camera pans to him, his expression just made me absolutely crack up. (laughs) Honestly, it's fantastic. Spock did some great face acting in this episode. Uh, Yeah. 
yeah definitely yeah there was there's some brilliant sort of like just him raising an eyebrow occasionally <laughs> like when all of the other men are doing their like over the top face acting because they're being seduced by these women uh, Spock's just sort of looking at them with his like in a really like you what mate <laughs> like bitch please yeah, yeah basically <laughs> every single every single still frame of Leonard Nimoy in this episode yeah. could be turned into a meme that just says bitch please at the top of it <laughs> yes, absolutely. And there's an amazing moment where they all walk past Mod's women all kind of like sachet past him through the door and the camera lingers on one of their butts and then it like goes back up to Spock and you see Spock kind of do like a little shrug and raise an eyebrow at Jim like what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I guess they're all right. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. And even when um Bones and Jim are having their bizarre conversation where Bones is like but aren't these women any more beautiful than other women you've seen? Pound for pound. <laughs> what? That was a terrible voice. Um, but then it keeps cutting back to Spock, and you can see his like barely contained smile yeah. <laughs> at how absolutely ridiculous these horny human men are, and how completely incapable they are of <laughs> remaining professional and working uh, out. What's well, going some of on. my favourite face acting in this was um, when. Uh, George Takai is pretending to be uh, a straight man turned on by a load of women. <laughs> <laughs> and he somehow looks both... The, he, he looks exactly like a gay man trying to pretend that he understands how straight people's brains work. <laughs> <laughs> like, George Takai is a, a, a gay legend, and we stand a gay legend. But uh, <laughs> him acting as a straight man in this is some of the best acting I've ever seen. Yeah, he um he very quickly sort of shuffles his his navigation buddy, um, Lieutenant Farrell back to his chair, and Farrell's like, oh, you know, they're those those women, they're they're so attractive or whatever, and then, and then Sulu's just like, yeah, I'll say, <laughs> <laughs> like, sure, yes, bros, I am real hetero. When, when, when I heard him say that, because he he, he uses the phrase like you said. Yeah, I'll say, but I thought they'd like overdubbed, like in. I thought they'd gone back. You know how, like, George Lucas in Star Trek, uh, Star Wars, even. Oh, God, that's the worst faux pas I've ever made. <laughs> when. <laughs> when George Lucas in Star Wars goes back and tinkers with his old films and he adds like extra sound effects and new like little mm. lines and things in the background, I thought they'd done that with this and they'd added in Sulu saying, <laughs> uh, "Yeah, yeah, I'm gay," <laughs> and like and they were trying to like retcon <laughs> it and make it, it like <laughs> make, because in uh, Calvinverse they imply that he's gay. I think, don't they? Um, yeah, which George yeah, Takei well, was really unhappy really? about. And ironically, yeah, he was really unhappy about that. He was like, Sulu's not gay. So actually, we're all wrong. Sulu was being totally, like, you know, on board with with it. But I do like your idea that there was some, like, weird throwaway line there. Um, A la, you know, I'll protect you, fair maiden. Sorry. Which was Ahura's excellent line from um, The Enemy Within. Uh, Can Um, can we talk about... um the bit where in the kitchen sink part of the episode i've got another gate sorry okay. I, I just want to say i've got another gay comment okay. before we move Ooh, on you've to always got a pretty gay comment matters. haven't you maddie <laughs> before we move on to the audacity of the heterosexuals um <clears throat> i love the bit near the beginning of the episode where spock's in the turbo lift with mud and the three women and mud's like oh you're a volcanian aren't you i'm not going to try and do this because i'll <laughs> 
rightfully be shot. Um, <laughs> and then, and then, uh, and then he's like, "Ooh, do you uh, you like the look of my lovely ladies?" Um, and he's like, "Oh, do they not affect you at all?" And I'm like, "Mud, he's wearing pink and purple eyeshadow. <laughs> Read the room. He's not affected by women." What? I have a question. Uh, Why don't they have that effect? That effect on Harry Mud himself. I guess he's just used to them. Would they would they have that effect oh. on a gay character? Because we don't know, because there aren't any gay characters in Star Trek prior to 2017. So, we... Are, are, are I mean, we meant to mm. believe that Harry Mudd might be a, a homosexual man? Because he is wearing a fantastic earring. Well, he does end up with a wife, but he doesn't... Oh, right. Him. Yeah, Stella. He's constantly trying to run away from Stella, so that that might be a point. <laughs> it's like the but opposite of a streetcar named be... Desire. <laughs> yeah, there's something to be <laughs> nice, uh, very very classically niche. Um, there's something to be said Red for the fact podcast, that like... classically niche. <laughs> that ge- oh, just you. That should be your new Take Twitter on some classically <laughs> niche. <laughs> in in the kitchen sink drama part of the episode when um. Yeah. Uh, Eve's com- Eve cooks uh, the miner some food and then complains that she couldn't scrape out the leftovers from his previous cooking from the pan. And he's like, oh, well, there's no water. I don't have a well, so I can't wash them. And then she says... God, imagine how much he stinks. She says, why don't you hang the pans outside and let the sandstorm uh, sandblast them clean? And then she says, oh, hadn't you thought about that? And he's like, No! No, we had because who the fuck would think about that? Who on earth has that idea? No one in the world has ever cleaned a pan with a sandblaster. Hang on, just because you are dull and uncreative and don't think outside the box like Eve, <laughs> that whole scene though is is just dreadful because it's played. It's clearly played for like in a way that. I, I think this is what is going on. It's played in a way that I think is supposed to appeal to audiences in the 1960s as being a, oh, ha, 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 look at this, you know, battle of the sexes, but really there's an underlying tenderness mm. and it just shows how ultimately compatible they are, that they have this fiery, fiery spark between them. Whereas to a modern viewer, it's just like, well, this guy is obviously a woman beater. Yeah. Um, and she's about to basically chain herself to him. Ah! <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's very <laughs> honeymooners. Um, uh, mm. Yeah, M- Maddie, you sounded like you had an important point you wanted to make before we ha- we wrap up. Yes, I wanted to talk about the fact that I was concerned that for um, right right at the end when the miners suddenly realise that the women are ugly because they no longer have eyeshadow on and just look like normal, attractive women. Um, I was like, isn't that hilarious that that is identical to the attitude of all modern-day YouTube <laughs> who are like, makeup is fake! Makeup is a lie! I married this woman and I thought that her eyelids were made out of solid gold <laughs> and her lips were the same shade as this peony! <laughs> what do you mean women don't look like that in real life? Oh my Jim. god, next you'll be telling me that her hair isn't bright blonde because I can see black bits at the bottom. Wait, Maddie, your hair is not the fantastic array of blue it currently is. I know, I'm uh. actually doing this in order to lie to men <laughs> so, I can, so I can entrap them with my wicked wiles. Uh, I wish I had the bravery to, to have cool hair. <laughs> um. <laughs> I agree with you, though. That, that is... Look, not you, Thomas, but... Uh, <laughs> but oh. With... Um, <laughs> 
uh, <laughs> you're you're the you're the spawn of criminals. We can't trust you. <laughs> uh, no, I agree with you, Maddie. That um, there's there's that sort of it's obviously made for underlying narrative of like women are worthless if they look like normal human beings but also they're slutty faking it bitches if they dare to make themselves look pretty in order to live up to the unrealistic patriarchal expectations of society sorry jake i just no it's fine but (laughs) i agree completely how dare you men are speaking um (laughs) (laughs) but uh the, no, the, the, it, it, also the, the sort of the weird nonsensical conclusion to the episode where uh, she takes the um, the placebo that Kirk gives her and then Kirk does that weird speech that makes no sense about how it's actually self-confidence is what makes yeah, her attractive. And you're like, well, yeah, self-confidence is a thing, but self-confidence won't, it, that's not one of the seven signs of aging. Like you can't. Yeah, self-confidence doesn't give you, doesn't give you, like, false eyelashes, (laughs) which she very, very clearly puts on when she takes the gummy bear or whatever it is. If self-confidence made you look more like a sexy woman, then no one would ever get sent off of Drag Race. Like, the... Every single character, every single drag queen in RuPaul's Drag Race is the most self-confident person I've ever met in my life. Like, yeah, it, it, it does make no sense, though, because, like, also just from a stupid point of view on the TV, like, on a TV show, she she takes the, the placebo, which has no physical effect on her at all. Bear. It is a gummy bear. Um, and then, he, then she turns around and she's suddenly wearing... A, new makeup and her hair's been done and like (laughs) this pill if it does exist and it can do that to you is like the the star trek equivalent of that gun that homer simpson invents that shoots makeup into the faces of women (laughs) (laughs) yeah like i wish that all i had to do was eat loads of gummy bears and then I'd immediately grow a full face of makeup and have a magnetic effect on all of the men around me. I mean, if it was that easy, don't you think that feminists feminists would have taken over the world a lot sooner? <laughs> if it was that easy, feminism wouldn't I have to exist. I think you're both you're both incredibly magnetic and attractive. Aww, thank oh, you, Nathan. Nathan. That's so sweet. It is bullshit that she then decides to just marry. Hang on, <laughs> you didn't say it back. <laughs> You just go, yeah, well, it is bullshit that she... I told you, I'm only out to kill men, have sex, and turn into a circle. <laughs> I'm not here to compliment you. I mean, fair. You're, I... You're, uh, in the, wait until the intro for the next episode of Red Shirts, Nathan, and we'll, and we'll see whether or not you get a compliment. Um, oh, Nathan, you I, I are. Just, I think I you're just... very pretty without makeup, too. Thank Magnetic you. and attractive um... in every way. <laughs> And obviously, the person who's tried to suck their own cock is Harry Mudd. Like, oh, obviously. yeah, yeah. I reckon he's probably got some pill that's made him succeed in that. To be fair, like he's tried hard. He's not just like giving it a go once casually. He's like dedicated time and investment and cost <laughs> into making sure that he could suck. I reckon so. Bit. Yeah. And if it's not him, it's that. Uh... Chiltress. The no, I was going to say it's that that weird uh, pilot who we've never met before. Oh, Farrell, that we never see before. Yeah, because he, he's skeletal, yeah, so he, he yeah. looks like the kind of person who'd have one of his ribs removed so he could do it again. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I 
Okay, great. Well, I think okay. that's everything for the first Harry Mudd episode. And excitingly, uh, we are going to do another Harry Mudd episode next. Um, have we decided which one we're doing? Are we going to do I Mudd? Should we? Because that's hilarious. Yeah, and I let's think we do really I need cool. to do it. It's so We're going to do I Mudd, which is the. Uh, misogynistic version of iRobot. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so tune in next time for, for that iMud. Uh, uh, but otherwise, all that's left to say is thank you to Maddie Churchhouse and Nathan Thomas. Uh, thank you to all of your ancestors. Uh, and thank you to um, Ben Kavanagh, who did the music for this episode again. Uh, I've been Jake Donaldson. You can get in contact with us on Facebook. Uh, no, you can't. You can get in contact with us on Instagram and Twitter at RedShirtsCast or send us an email uh, redshirtscast at gmail.com. Otherwise, uh, live long and prosper and goodbye.